pay-per-view week, everyone. UFC 276 is days away. This is the most loaded fight card of the year by a mile. From start to finish, this is going to be incredible on Saturday night. We have a fight card to talk about before that. Uh, going back to Saturday night, UFC fight night, Saruki and Gamrot. Will Brewer, along with uh, me, Colby Daniels. Will, how are you today, sir? Man, I'm geeked, man. It's a it's international fight week. It's the biggest card of the of the year. You know, the the last few international fight weeks haven't really felt like the common international fight week because of the pandemic and everything. But this one, this one feels like the normal international fight week that I'm used to. You know, that it's a loaded card. It's got all of the main stars. Um, of course, the ones that they could get on the card. You know, it doesn't have Connor and Nate or nothing. But it's got the uh, the biggest star, the biggest star in terms of champions. It's got the biggest star prospect. Uh, it's got tons and tons of big, big time fights. Um, a trilogy fight. Is, is there something to love all the way down this card? I mean, it's it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, from start to finish, this thing is absolutely loaded. And I mean, you don't want to miss the early prelims for crying out loud. The early prelims alone will have been better than some fight night main cards. One one thousand percent. One. I mean. We talked. We were joking last week about Aspen Ladd and Norman Dumont. I mean, the prelim, this prelim card wipes that fight card out the water. And then some of some of the fight cards that we've seen, you know, as of late, um, Holly Holm, Caitlin Vieira, um, some, you know, some of these fight nights that we've seen, these, this prelim card, way better, for way sure. better, yeah. And you got star power. You have championship belts on the line, uh, trilogies. You have, I mean, a little bit of everything. The people's champion, if you will, Sean O'Malley is on this card. Uh, it, this thing is absolutely loaded, and I can't wait to talk about this. But first, Will, we have to rewind to Saturday night, UFC Fight Night, Saruki and Gamrot. Uh, we had been excited about this fight for a long, long time. This fight was everything I was hoping it was going to be. It was high-level MMA from two top 15 lightweights. I think it's the best division in the sport, and they absolutely delivered. I'll say this. I scored the fight for Saruki, but at the end of the day, I don't necessarily feel like uh, you could complain too much either way. This was a great fight, and especially those final rounds, I think, were very, very close. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this was just high-level MMA, and we spent uh, extra time on the back end of the show talking about how special this matchup was. Uh, just the high-level MMA that you were going to see. I mean, not many people know the names of Matthias Gamrot and Armand Sarukian, but after that performance, I mean, a lot more people are going to be uh, are going to know who these guys are because that was just a phenomenal display of, of MMA. I knew that this was going to be a special fight when uh, I believe it was Gamrot shining for a takedown and he had Sarukian's leg up in the air and Sarukian is, is literally balanced, just jumping up and hopping up and down on one leg, still able to defend a takedown. I was like blown away by that. His and leg that above the, his head. Yes. And this, and this happened in the first 30 seconds or 30 seconds to a minute of the fight. So, and, and all the rest that we saw for the rest of the of the fight for the next 24 minutes was just high level back and forth action. And these were two guys who who just wanted it like this lightweight division is loaded. It's packed. There's not a lot of movement uh, right now. So both these guys have the talent to be champions. But this was the fight to get you into that upper echelon. And even even with the loss, uh, it Sarukin could still be a future champion. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like this loss did anything to diminish that uh, Gamrot. I mean, his trajectory just upped that much more. But I still feel like either one of these guys could end up being a, a future UFC champion. It's just who's going to get there first. And it's just right now, it's it, it's Gamron who, who got the nod. But it was a crazy fight. Yeah. I mean, 
at the end of it, I didn't know who won. I actually, for the first time, I try not to do this, but for the first time in a long time, I scored a fight a draw because I truly felt like Gamrock won the first two and a half rounds uh, or Sarukian won the first two and a half rounds and then Gamrock won the last two and a half rounds. Like that third round, it was like half of it was uh, Sarukian and then Gamrock, you could just see the momentum swing midway through that round. So I had it a draw. Um, I wasn't sure uh, who was going to come out uh, victorious because, you know, the judges don't really score draws that much anymore. So I'm not mad at the Gamrock decision. It was an incredible fight. I was, I, I loved this fight. I think, I think it delivered everything I was hoping it was going to deliver. I was surprised that Sarukian was the better guy in the striking, and I was surprised that Gamrot was better in the grappling. Like, I thought it was going to be the other way around. Yeah, I was really impressed by Sarukian's striking. I mean, I thought that uh, after that Joel Alvarez when I, uh, I definitely thought that uh, Sarukian was going to be able to take this fight to the ground and kind of have his way, but... I mean, Gamrot really took it to him in the grappling. And the same thing with, with Sarukian on the other side with the striking. Those those body kicks, man. I mean, geez. Sarukian was was just giving it to Gamrot. And, but but then Gamrot showed how much of a dog he is, uh, taking all that uh, punishment in the, in the first two rounds and then to come back and turn the fight around. I mean, that fight just had everything, man. I mean, that was just high-level MMA at its best. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I, I love the matchup. I loved it the minute it was announced. I'd been looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, for the second week in a row, I don't necessarily feel like the guy that I scored the fight for won the fight, um, you know, with Calvin Cater. I had Calvin Cater over Josh Emmett. Um, I had Sarukian over Gamrot. But in both instances, I feel like I, I, I come to the podcast today saying it was so razor thin. I mean, you can't really fault anybody for going the other way. And uh, like you said, I mean, you could probably draw a line at the midway point and say everything before this line was Saruki and everything after this line was Gamrot. Um, I honestly had a hard time scoring the fifth round, Will. Like, I thought the fifth round was incredibly close. Uh, and I, I slightly leaned toward, toward Gamrot, but, I mean, like, if you made the case in my mind, I'd have to rewatch it. But um, when that fight ended, I thought fifth round could have gone either way. Yeah, and a, a lot of those rounds was was razor thin, just like that, um, where you could just score it for the other guy. But I mean, I I thought that Sarukin was gonna have uh, a hard time uh, towards the end of the towards the end of the fight because, well, I mean, I, I know uh, he's more of a, he's more of a grappler, but I thought he put out a lot of of, of output uh, at the beginning, and uh, and Gamrot he did take all that punishment, but it seemed like he got stronger as the fight went on. And Sarukian wasn't wasn't answering those grappling exchanges as well as he did at the beginning of the fight, man. Uh, so I think when you when you're these judges and you're looking at who's being more active and who's winning a lot of these scrambles, and granted these these scrambles are are literally back and forth. It's a it's a true Great game of scrambles, inches. Yeah, it's a true game of inches. And like when I say this is high level MMA, like this is like to to the T, man. Like just a, a game of inches you make one false move one wrong move and you're on and you lose that position it's it's just crazy uh, when you see these guys who are two just evenly matched competitors and they're playing a game of inches they're playing a game of chess like i i love fights like this um i, I mean I, I feel like both guys won I, I really don't feel like either guy lost this is one of those cases where both guys have such a good showing for themselves that both these guys are going to get a big fight after this um I don't feel like Srukian is going to go down in the rankings that much. Uh, I, I think he's going to get a, a, a high-level fight because the lightweight division is that high level. And, you know, both these guys are going to have a chance to uh, to shoot up the division. Srukian actually didn't uh, even move in the rankings. Um, 
Conor McGregor dropped four spots, and McGregor fell below Sarukian at this point. Gamrot went up four spots, so Gamrot is now the number eight lightweight in the world. He called out Justin Gaethje. Who do you want to see for Matus Gamrot next? Well, first let me say about Conor McGregor. Uh, he's he's really the number one contender. He's just ranked <laughs> number 12 in the rankings, but he's the number one guy. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as uh, uh, Gamrot, who I would like to see uh, him fight next, you know, there's like no movement at the at the top of this division right now. I mean, there were reports about Poirier and Gaethje and like it kind of just like stopped. Yeah. Like after a while, like I don't know what's going on with that. If they're fighting, if they're not fighting. Um, Benil Dariush, like we don't know if Isam and Oliveira is going to fight. We heard rumblings about that, but that hasn't been booked yet. I, I mean, if I'm Gamrot, I'm hoping that um, Islam gets the title shot and that um, Chandler tries to fight Connor, and then you have uh, Benil Dariush there who you could fight who's ranked ahead of you. Or if, if not Benil Dariush, um, I think the Vasiv uh, RDA winner would be good. But I think him shooting for the stars – and trying to get somebody at the very top is 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 very smart, you know. I don't think he gets Gaethje, but that would be a very fun fight for sure. Uh, Benil Dariush, by the way, today called out uh, Dustin Poirier, I believe, and said that that fight makes a lot of sense if it's going to be Charles and Islam for the belt, uh, taking away what Dariush's next opponent was supposed to be. Um, they've been stalling on Poirier. Who knows what's going to happen with Justin Gaethje next? You still have Michael Chandler that that is a, a big fight guy uh, waiting in the wings as well. So. Yeah, I, I, it's really interesting. I think if Fazeev beats RDA, to me, Gamrot Fazeev is the match to make. If RDA wins, there's no way RDA wants to fight Gamrot, right? If RDA wins, he wants right. to, to have an opportunity, a path to the belt, and he wants to fight a higher-ranked guy, which I totally understand. So, yeah, I think you wait and see what happens uh, in a couple weeks, and if it's Fazeev, then Gamrot Fazeev just makes all the sense in the world. Um, in terms of Sarukian... Um, where do you go with Armon Sarukian? Because like you said, I don't think in anybody's minds he lost any stock. Um, but, you know, there's also somewhat of a stalemate right now with Conor McGregor in the rankings, not fighting. Tony Ferguson is sidelined for a while. And then again, Dariush has been hurt and he's waiting for something next. And seemingly the three big draws, Poirier, Chandler, and uh, Gaethje are all just like waiting for something. And it's certainly not going to be Armon Sarukian. You know, looking at these rankings, uh, I was wondering, uh, there's somebody that's missing, and I didn't really understand why or know why, but um, whatever happened to Gregor Gillespie? Like, did he get released or? It's a great question. I have no idea. Okay, well, I was looking at the rankings, and I feel like that's that's the fight because I feel like Gregor Gillespie is like, he was ranked in this 10 to 15 range if... Um, if I don't know what happened, why he's not in the rankings anymore, but um, I think that would be a, a great fight for both guys. Um, if it's not Gregor Gillespie, if, he, if he's like injured or suspended or something, uh, if I'm Sarukian, I maybe go after the the loser of uh, Fasiv and RDA, um, or you go after the winner of Brad uh, Brad Riddell and uh, Jalen Turner this weekend. So uh, there's options out there. There's there's never a shortage of uh, of good lightweights to fight. But at this point, it's just everyone is jockeying for, for position. And Sarukian being uh, at number 11, where he was at, at the beginning, uh, I'm sure that's a, a definite blessing for him uh, that he didn't drop anywhere. So at this point, you fight someone uh, right below you uh, or you, you get um, the uh, perceived RDA loser yeah. or uh, see what happens with Gregor, 
uh, Gillespie because I feel like that's a very good status and matchup. Apparently, Gregor Gillespie has turned down a bunch of fights, and he has said he will not fight anyone ranked lower than him. So that's probably why he's dropped out of the rankings completely. <laughs> so there you go. So he's just basically so said no, 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 and here we are. <laughs> If you're not going to fight anybody ranked lower than you, you're not going to be in the rankings, is what they basically said, right? So. Well, that that gives me more cause to think that he'll fight a, a Sarukian because uh, I like they're going to matchup. They're going to give him uh, a, a matchup with a guy like a Sarukian. They're not going to give him anything easy coming off of you know him being so difficult to work with. They're going to give him somebody like Sarukian. So uh, I think that's the that's the matchup. I love that fight as well. There you go. All right, so that was the main event on Saturday night. The co-main event was one of the rising stars in the UFC, Shavkat Rachmanov over Neil Magny. I liked this matchup, not because I thought Magny was going to win, but because Magny's style is just tough, right? Like, it's it's hard to look really impressive against Neil Magny. Uh, so to just kind of see how Shavkat Rachmanov matches up against that stylistic uh, competitor was going to kind of, in some way, I guess, set the bar for us in our mind as to where we go with him next. And... Will he seem to pass with flying colors? Man, I've been waiting to say this since this fight ended, but I'm just going to go out, come out and say it. Give me Shavkat over Hamzat today. Give me Shavkat over Hamzat today. I've seen enough. This guy is a finisher, 16 in a row. I mean, and they're going to slow build him, so he's not he's not skipping any steps. I mean, he he beat um Dang, I've got uh, Carl Carlton Harris or Carlson Harris, and then he he goes in there against uh against Neil Magny, who's ranked who was ranked number, he's ranked in the top fifteen, I believe he was like seven was 10. maybe, ten. Okay, yep. he beats the number ten guy. Um, I don't feel like there's anybody really in the uh in the division like the you got like Masvidal and you got Wonder Boy. These matchups are are his. I mean, stylistically, he smashes both of them, and. Look, I know Hamzat's coming off of the Gilbert Burns fight where we saw a lot of holes, but part of me is still not re- truly convinced on Hamzat. After seeing Shavkat th- these last two times, I- I'm I'm here to tell you, man, I-, I-, I like Shavkat just a little bit more than than Hamzat right now. I'm still on the Hamzat train, although the only thing that's made that maybe lose a little steam is uh, Darren Till, because uh, I just... The buddy bromance seems to have taken away a little bit of the anger that I appreciated about Hamzat. He just seemed like such an angry fuck that he was going to destroy anything in his path. And I kind of appreciated that about him. Now we always see him smiling and chumming it up with Darren Till. And I'm like, where'd the killer go? Bring the killer back. Uh, That said, first of all, Gilbert Burns is a world championship caliber welterweight. Um, So that's part of it. The other part of it is that was a, you know, that was a spotlight fight that I think Hamzat kind of just, played into that being a spotlight fight. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't cooled on Hamzat at all, uh, but I, I would love to see Hamzat, uh, Shavkat, absolutely, main event that thing. I'm, I'm in 100%. Shavkat's now ranked number 10, Will. Before I, I, I talk about his matchups, he called out Jorge Masvidal, Nate Diaz, and Wonderboy. Can we please stop doing this nonsense? Like, come on, man. Everybody in the division wants those guys. Of course you're going to call them out because stylistically great matchups. All of those guys are on the wrong side of their prime. And they're all big names that are going to skyrocket you up the rankings. Like, of course you want those fights. Call out Sean Brady or call out Luke, right? Like, call out somebody that, like, legitimately, I think, gives you a tougher matchup. Come on. Everybody wants Nate Diaz right now. Everybody wants Masvidal right now. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, everyone's chasing that payday. Um, they know what, what comes with it. And at this point, when you're a, a rising prospect and you're as good as Shavkat, you look at Masvidal and you look at Wonderboy, you look at Nate Diaz, and you see all these holes. You don't see any, like, real real risk. You see a good payday. You see a fun fight week. Uh, and then you see a easy, <laughs> a easy fight uh, on fight day. Um, if I'm Shavkat, you rank number 10. You don't want to fight behind you at this point you want to you want to go above you but this this is another one of those divisions where you don't know really what's happening at the at the top of it i mean i mean of course you know kamara usman is defending the title against leon edwards that fight's been signed so i'm I'm not afraid for leon anymore unless he gets injured yeah but we know usman's fighting edwards but outside of that like kobe covington's there we know he's not fighting hamza i don't know if he's injured or something or but i i know that he's been uh you know, flirting, I guess, with uh, Bilal Muhammad about a fight in Abu Dhabi. I doubt that's happening. Uh, you know, Vicente Luque's fighting uh, Jeff Neal. Uh, the, then you got Gilbert Burns, who's kind of there. Kind of, I feel like he's kind of waiting to see, like, what happens with Hamza, what happens with Kobe. Um, but, you know, he's another guy that's calling out Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. Um, that so, one at least makes more sense, because there's nowhere yes, really for Gilbert yes. to go. Absolutely, yes. It, that does make more sense. And Gilbert is a guy who's built a name for himself, right. so... Um, He's a guy that I mean, even Jorge has like entertained the idea yeah. of fighting Gilbert Burns. Like, he'll he'll look at Shavkat and be like, "You haven't done enough, even though you're ranked right. number ten. You haven't done enough to fight me." Like he said the same thing about uh about a uh, Michelle Pajeda. So if I'm Shavkat, I I I do call out Masvidal, Nate Diaz, Stephen Thompson, and then you're probably not gonna get Masvidal. You're probably not gonna get um, Nate Diaz. But then there's Wonder Boy who's sitting there at seven, who doesn't have a fight booked who's still a stylistically great matchup for him. And, I mean, the the selling point for me is Wonderboy is a guy that doesn't really get finished, and Shavkat is a guy who has finished all of his opponents. So even though I feel pretty confident on what would happen, I feel like there's if I'm the UFC, there's a there's a selling point to it, and you can main event, you use Wonderboy's name, because Wonderboy's been in a lot of main events. You main event him and, and Shavkat, and basically give Shavkat the rub. So if, yeah. if I'm the UFC, I'm booking Shavkat against Wonderboy. That's probably the move to make. I don't like that fight. Like, that does nothing for me. <laughs> um, I want Shavkat, Sean Brady would be my second choice. But my, my main choice is Shavkat Bilal. Bilal's not, Bilal's not going to take that. I mean, I would love to see that fight. I, I truly would. That would be a great yeah. fight. But Bilal is too close to a title shot that he's only going ahead. And I I get that I understand it. Um, he's ranked number five. All these guys ranked ahead of him are, you know, you got Kobe, Leon, Hamzat, Gilbert. He's not I getting mean, those guys though. I don't I don't think they're going to give Bilal one of those guys. I think I truly think that Hamzat and Bilal is could happen, and if that doesn't happen, then they're going to give uh, Gilbert to Bilal. So I think I think it's going to be one of those two fights. Hamzat. I don't feel like they're going to is only taking either a big name or a path to a title. And neither of those is Bilal Muhammad, in my opinion. Path, path to a title? He's already there. He doesn't okay, need to okay. beat Bilal Muhammad to get a title shot. I'm with you. I'm with you. But Hamza's a guy who likes to be active. And if I'm the UFC, I, I see – I don't see much of a threat in Bilal Muhammad. Like, I don't see too much of a threat in him. So I feel like – what they would do is they would make Hamzat and Bilal thinking that Hamzat would completely ragdoll him, get the 
get that boogeyman type of uh, flair behind him uh, and then go for a title shot. But I know the first choice is Nate Diaz. If they can get yeah. him fighting Nate Diaz, then that's, that's, gonna, that's the fight that's going to happen. But if that doesn't happen, I can definitely see Hamzat fighting uh, Bilal Muhammad, for sure. I think Hamzat has just become too big a star for them to put him against Bilal at this point. Like, and that's not anything They're, against Bilal. Um, no, no, I'm rooting right. for the guy. I, I like him a lot. I just I, I don't see them making that match, and I don't see Hamzat wanting to do that match. I, I, I think that there are way bigger fish in terms of the amount of money to be made and the star power that you can gain uh, than that matchup for him, and I think he would probably sit out and wait for either Colby Covington, um, Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards if it goes that way, uh, or like a Nate Diaz. Uh, so I don't know, man. Like If you're not going to get Hamzat Bilal, the next thing that makes sense is Shavkat Bilal. Because I, I feel like I, Bilal still, I mean, for as close as he is, I think that the the majority perception is he's not quite on the same tier as those guys that are above him. I think he still needs one more win uh, to kind of solidify himself in in that same tier level. I I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I uh, I think he's there. I think yeah. he's I think he's done enough to be in the discussion of a title shot because. Uh, if Lu- had Luke won, Luke would be in Bilal's position. Like maybe he's well, not I think Luke had more momentum going into that fight than Bilal had. That's that's probably why. Right, and and I agree, but I still want to give the credit where credit is due yeah, to Bilal sure. because he did he did win that fight. Um, I'm not going to say it was a it was a wipeout or anything, but he did win. Clear, he clearly won. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, he, so. I think he's on that he's on that level. I, maybe he's not maybe he's not there like to the Hamzat, Leon, Kobe level yet. I do think he's like Gilbert's coming off of what, two straight losses? Or or no. Cause he beat Wonderboy. He beat Wonderboy. So this he always, he's only coming off one loss. So Bilal, I think Bilal and Gilbert makes a lot of sense. If if he doesn't get Hamzat, I truly believe that it'll be Gilbert. I don't think that They'll make Bilal fight below. I think it. I think it is. It's Bilal and Gilbert. If it's not Bilal and Hamzat, I'm in on Bilal and Gilbert for sure. Um, because like, where's Gilbert? Where's Gilbert gonna go? Like, if, well, that's why. Yeah, that's why I think like Nate Diaz or Masvidal makes sense for Gilbert because he's you know he's now a big name, uh, and he also doesn't have anywhere to go. Like Shavkat right. has a lot of options here. Like that's why one, the call out on of Shavkat for those three names to me is like no way. Do you think? Well, do you think that uh, Shavkat maybe fights uh, Michael Chiesa, uh, one spot under him? Uh, I, you see, this is the thing about these young prospects. Like, I feel like this, like Sarukian and Gamrot. I feel like that rarely happens. Yeah. You know, like I know. I feel like it's been it's been happening a little more, but I I just don't feel like in uh, in history it happens that often. Uh, they tr- they historically like to wait. Like uh, like for example, uh, Sean O'Malley and Adrian Yanez. Like they're pretty much right there in the same like window in terms of these fights, but they're not, we're not going to see that fight. Like that fight's too big. Now I'm not saying that Sean Brady and Shavkat is Giannis and O'Malley, but normally when you have two young guys like that, they normally like to like to build these young guys off of a guy yeah. who's older. Like the, that's why I think Shavkat will fight Wonderboy. The problem is Shavkat and Sean Brady both are stylistically unlike the majority of guys in this division. And, they can't get fights very easily, right? 
Like, the reason Shavkat fought yeah. Neil Magny is because Neil Magny is, like, the only guy in the division that's like, I don't care, I'll fight anybody. Sean Brady's been looking for a fight, can't get anybody, can't, can't get anybody to sign on the papers. Yeah, I mean, I think both these guys are in play for Wonderboy, which is, and they should be in play for each other. Like, I'm with you. I yeah. think they should be in play to fight each other. I just don't think that, you know, just because these two guys are looking for a fight, do you waste do you waste that fight now? Like, do you really want to see that fight happen right now when, like, you can make that fight later? Like, I remember when um, Izzy and Paolo Costa were both coming up, like, it was inevitable, like, these two guys were really good and that they were going to see each other. Like, you could have put those guys to fight each other. But it was a lot bigger and better when you had it as a main event on a pay-per-view with one guy as a champion, you know. So, I don't know, man. Uh, Sean Brady, I'm really interested to see what's happening, what's going to happen with him next. Because, uh, I mean, Shavkat just fought. So, yeah. Sean Brady needs a fight. I'm sure he's ready to go. He already fought Kiesa. I'm sure he not, he's not going to want to fight below him. So, I mean, I, I think he, he's definitely in play for the uh, Luke Gay and Jeff Neal winner. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's out of the question at all. All right, moving on. Uh, heavyweight fight on this main card. Josh Parisian over Alan Badeau. Um, we were on the wrong side of this, both going with Badeau, because I did not want to go opposite and risk losing a point on this fight. Do um, you have any comments on this one, or you want to move on to the next? Uh, all I want to say is uh, I'm glad the fight was finished, and uh, I believe it was uh, it was uh bisping who said that these guys look like two drunk uncles fighting at a at a picnic <laughs> yeah. and i was like this is definitely my thoughts on the fight <laughs> yes uh they were they were very tired by the end of this uh we did get a finish i mean parisian was basically begging the uh official to call the thing i think at the end of uh of the first round so uh and it, it went a little longer and he ended up getting it but there you go. Um, all right, Tiago Moises over Christos Gallegos. Um, really impressive performance for Tiago Moises, who uh, once again showed off the grapple. I feel like it's been a while since we've seen Moises uh, grapple. He's kind of been in stand-up fights lately. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like um, Moises is really good, and like we we were looking at potential matchups for um, for Sarukian. This is a guy who could potentially fight Sarukian, and uh, nobody would be mad at it. Uh, this was a guy who was uh, who was ranked before, but you know he took those two losses in a row. Um, but I think stylistically, he just he's just had you know those two these those last two losses to Islam and Joe Alvarez. Those are just tough. Uh, Joe Alvarez is a tank of a man, and then Islam, you know, is is Islam. So right. I think it's, this was a good win for him to get back on track. Um, he's I think I still think he's a player in this division. I, th I think he's top 15 worthy of course this division is is loaded so you, you know you never know but um skill for skill he's one of the best guys in the in the division so i'm excited to see what's next for him I'm, it's good to see him get back on track a guy like yagos is a guy that he should definitely take out in the fashion that he did yeah. and he did that does diego fajeda have a fight booked because i uh, think i think diego fajeda is ranked 15 right now uh, i'd like to see moises fajeda that would be a good one but i feel like he's got a fight booked and I want to say it's against Dan Hooker, but I am not 100% sure about that. Uh, it's – I can find this in just one moment. Um, he has Dracar Close. Dracar Close, yeah. okay. And he's fighting in, you, he's yeah. fighting in uh, Dallas. That's okay. right. That's right. I knew he was on that card, and I, I just wasn't sure I if it was him. I completely forgot or... that that had been made, yeah. Yeah, so – I mean, I'm surprised that he's still in the rankings, to, uh, to be quite honest with you, uh, uh, Fajeda. 
Yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was getting the better of Gamrot until like literally the gas tank just disappeared and and Gamrot yeah, won just, the fight. But it just like he just turned off. Yeah, like everything was going good, and then just everything just went to shit just, just like that. Yeah, that was <laughs> it was just done. All right, so uh, I say it every week: death taxes and bantamweights. And this week it is Umar Nurmagomedov over Nate Maness. Uh, dominant, unanimous decision win for Umar. Um, a lot of momentum for. Umar, who, by the way, one week after Adrian Yanez breaks into the rankings at number 15 in the bantamweight division, Umar Nurmagomedov takes his number 15 a week later. So Adrian Yanez goes back to being unranked, and here is Nurmagomedov now at number 15. That, yeah, that that's tough. That that just sucks because, yeah. like, I'm sure Yanez was just so happy, like, finally, I finally broke into the top 15, and uh, and then one week later, it, it's just like you weren't even there. Yeah. Like nobody cares anymore. Uh, and and sure, Numagomedov had a had a dominant performance, and uh, Nate Maniz was uh, fourteen and one. Uh, but like we all knew, like Numagomedov was a big favorite in this fight. Like, and he showed like why he was a big favorite. He's he won one scorecard thirty twenty five. Like this fight wasn't close at all. So, um, but this division is loaded. Like th- that's just what's gonna happen with how talent rich this division is. From one to like thirty, like, yeah. um, and like, there's Umar Nurmagomedov, and f- for the longest, I thought that it was uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov. Uh, so like, he and and he's he's got a fight coming up soon, and I'm sure he's probably gonna win in dominant fashion as well. So, I mean, this division is loaded. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think that we've got a potential boogeyman in the division of bantamweight, and like, he's not even the only boogeyman. Like, uh, there's there's a boogeyman in the top fifteen as well. Like. There's many people who's calling uh, Marab the boogeyman, but yeah. like Umar is coming in doing the same stuff. But at this point, he's kind of being a little bit more dominant, but he's not facing the, the same type of uh, competition. Give me a uh, Saeed versus Umar, by the way. I'm in on that fight. I, I know they have the same last name, but they're not related, right? I don't, I mean, I don't, don't believe really they are. Look, they don't really look alike. Like uh, Umar looks like a he, he's re- related to Habib. Saeed definitely doesn't look like he's related right. to them, so... But you never know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, but I would, I would absolutely take that fight. Um, Saeed Nurmagomedov, by the way, has Douglas Silva, uh, Deandrage coming up. It looks like um, on the 9th of July, so very, very soon. Wow. Yeah, very soon. Uh, but yeah, Umar Nurmagomedov, uh, just another bantamweight that's uh, making waves. And uh, like, I'm, I'm ready for the like 30 man battle royale at bantamweight, <laughs> right? Yeah, man. Like, it's, it's. It's gonna to get to a point where it's gonna it's gonna be hard, like to really, like just like with Saruki and Gamrot, like in the lightweight division, you're just gonna to have to put some of these young guys against each other. I mean, in the bantamweight division, you're gonna to have to put some of these guys against each other. Like we're already seeing it with Ricky Simone and Jack Shore, um, they're, they're having to fight each other, and like now we're seeing uh, these younger guys getting pushed, like the Adrian Yanez is like the Sean O'Malley's who's who's fighting Pedro uh, Saturday, so. I mean, it, we're getting to a point now where it's going to be hard to deny these guys. Um, I don't know, man. They're going to have to start doing top 20 with, with this bantamweight division. Top 15 is not enough. Yeah, I mean, um, like I'm, I'm scrolling down, so we know who the main names in this division are. Uh, but like currently unranked in this division, Kyler Phillips, Saeed Nurmagomedov, Adrian Yanez, uh, Rafael Asunsa, who I believe has lost four in a row, uh, Casey Kinney, Cody Stamen, uh, Haoni Barcelos, uh, Ronnie Hiaya, 
Paiva, who we just saw lose, uh, Davy Grant, Timur Valiev, Sergei Morozov, who just beat Paiva. I mean, Silva de Andrade. It's it's incredible. John Castaneda, and like Julio Arce, Jonathan Martinez. Yeah, it's it's insane, man. Mario Batista, who we just saw in this card get a finish. It's wild. I mean, I feel bad, like, not bad, but I feel like I shouldn't say his name, but, I mean, he was a former Bantamweight champion, but, I mean, Cody Garbrandt is <laughs> yeah. still out there. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no shortage. I mean, like, you could you could fight an unranked guy and basically be fighting one of the best Bantamweights in the world. That's like, right. that's how that's how stacked that this division is. I mean, I think at this point, I'm, I, I've... I'm with you. I think the lightweight division has a little bit of a leg up on the bantamweight division, but in terms of depth, yeah, bantamweight wipes out all these divisions. Yeah, I think in terms of the elite guys, like the guys at the very top of the division, lightweight is the best out there. But yeah, I mean, from one to like thirty or forty, uh, there's nothing like bantamweight right now, and and there's just no separation, right? From from like, I'm, I don't even know how deep you could go. Maybe at the very very top, there's a little bit of separation to like the next tier, but I mean, from guy like six to guy like 30, throw your hands up in the air and flip a coin, right? Like, depending on the matchup, it could go anywhere. So, Yeah, and, and, and unlike a lot of these divisions, we're getting movement. Like, uh, none, none of these guys are really resting on their spot. Yeah. Um, we, we've got Sterling and Dillashaw, Sanhagen and uh, Song Yedong, Sean O'Malley, Pedro, like, uh, Cruz and, and Chiquito. Like, this division is, is moving, so... Not there's not anyone who's really standing on their spot. So that's what I love about this division. Like you always say, death taxes and bantam weights, um, they always deliver. And maybe Henry Cejudo in that conversation soon. Uh, starting oh, yeah. <laughs> starting off this main card was Chris Curtis over Rodolfo Vieira. Uh, pretty impressive performance from Chris Curtis, who outlasts Vieira. Yeah, man, I was really curious to see how he was gonna fight. One with uh, him being like the the favorite. And then with fighting a guy who uh, isn't much of a stand-up guy who's going to be trying to take him down. And uh, I thought he fought really well. Um, I thought that uh, he was able to, to, to stay upright. And then, you know, it, it's tough fighting a guy like that because you're so worried about the takedown. You're so yeah. worried about uh, getting ready to defend it that you leave yourself open to strikes. And I feel like Chris Curtis got hit a lot more than he would have against another striker. Because you're, he's so worried about the takedown. Uh, Adolfo Vieira fought a very, uh, a very tough fight. He fought him really tough. But um, Chris Curtis and in, in those, in those, uh, those body shots that he was landing, uh, crazy. Um, By the way, who knew Chris Curtis of, had the best takedown defense in the UFC? Right. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, this, he's a guy, like, he looks so big. I didn't realize he was that big. But, like, cause, because he was a 70-pounder. A, a yeah. But, man, this guy at 185... He looks the part, man. So yeah. uh, I'm not surprised that he was able to shave off all those takedowns. But, man, uh, very impressive. Yeah. And now he's won three in a row. What would you like to see next with uh, Chris Curtis? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, middleweight division. Is he ready for, uh, like, here's one, Edmund Shabazian? Oh, yeah, that's perfect. I think that's a fight Chris Curtis would probably win. Um, but uh, there was a call out of Chris Curtis by uh, Joaquin Butley. What do you think about that? I like that fight, too. That's yeah, a that, fun I think, fight. I think both of those fights, Shabazian and uh, Joaquin Buckley, fantastic fights for Chris Curtis. Um, 
man, I don't even know which one I would want to see more, but those are both fun fights. Shabazian probably gets you further ahead in terms of uh, your career, right? But um, the Buckley one would guarantee, I mean, I feel like there's a highlight waiting to happen in that fight somewhere. But but does Shabazian get him further at this point? Just be, I mean, I know he's got the ranking, but like Shabazian's lost like four in a row. Buckley's All to grapplers, though, streaking. right? Like Shabazian is a world-class striker. Yeah, so he's lost to who? Jack Hermanson, Vitor, Vitor Brunson, right? Brunson, Vitor. I don't. I feel like he fought. Vitor, I feel like he lost all the same guys that Kevin Holland lost to. But. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, right. yeah. But he's he's on a losing streak. Um. Oh, he lost to um, uh, Imavov. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. So a lot of this, a lot of grapplers. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Um, I'm sure it would be a delight for him to fight a striker. Um, they weren't really doing him much of a of a uh, favor having him fight all these uh all these grapplers, but. Yeah, um, let's see what's next for Chris Curtis, man. I, I'm when he got into the UFC, I thought he was going to lose to Phil Hawes. I thought he was going to lose to Brendan Allen, yeah. and now we're here with him on the cusp of getting into the rankings. It's a, it's a, it's a fun story for sure. It's a fun story, and I mean, you just mentioned the names. I mean, it's not like he's beat up on on you know guys that were like, wait, who is that guy again? Like, right. it's Phil Hawes, Brendan Allen, and Nal Vieira. I like, and you know, obviously all completely different fighters. I mean, Brendan Allen is, is by far the most well-rounded of those three guys. Haas is an elite striker. Vieira's a, an elite grappler. Uh, and then, you know, you got the guy in between. And, yeah, I, he's passed all the tests at this point. And yeah, Shabazian he's, he's currently passed. has the number 15 next to his name, so. You know what? Hey, sign me up, man. <laughs> I, I mean, as much as I would want to see him in Joaquin Buckley, because I feel like that would bring the best out of Joaquin uh, and the best out of Chris, for that matter, um, I think Chris Curtis deserves to fight someone who's ranked right now. So sign me up for that. By one. the way, give me uh, give me Buckley Haas. Ooh, see, that's even better. That, that see, we sh- I swear, man, we we really should be matchmakers. You're having yeah. a really good day. You're having a really good day today, as far as the <laughs> matchmaking is concerned. But man, we really should be matchmakers. Absolutely. Um, all right, so that is the main card. Um, I believe we were on the right side of every fight except for the main event. We both had Sarukian over Gamrot. And we both had Badeau over Parisian, so four and two for both of us, and we were unanimous across the board. Um, I do need to mention this before we move on. We've got a lot of picks to make, but uh, the feature prelim, how about the finish from Carlos Olberg over Tafan and Chukwe? I was really excited about this matchup, and it delivered. You know, when uh, when I saw that this fight was coming up on the—like, I knew that this fight was, was happening, of course, but when I saw that this fight was, like, next on the prelims, I was like, ah— oh. This was my out for the from the Parisian and Badeau fight. If I just would have said, let's bet on Alberg and uh uh damn I, I forgot to say his name and Chukwe Chukwe Tafan. Could you call him Tafan? Yeah, Tafan. Yeah. That's a it's I mean that fight gets me excited. Like Parisian and Badeau, like just because they're heavyweights, that did nothing for me. But Alberg and and, and Chukwe, that's a really fun fight. Uh, it was it was the power of Enchukwe against the the skill, the length of uh, of Alberg, and uh, the length definitely played a huge factor. Um, he landed that jab, uh, and Enchukwe uh, was done after that man, and then Alberg got the finish. Very impressive performance from him. Um, he had a lot of hype coming in, like he had a really good contender series performance, but then he fought that uh, Kennedy and Zechiku and uh, ran out of gas after almost yeah. finishing him. Since then, he's had a. a uh, pretty good showing here in the UFC, so uh, I'm excited to see what's next for him, man. He's he's a problem. 
All right, Will, it is time. UFC 276 on Saturday night uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's going to be a full arena. This fight card is so great, in fact, that we are going to pick the entire thing. Every prelim fight, all five of the main card fights, one point for every prelim fight, three points for the main card fights that are not title fights. Those are worth five points, and we're going to have a special twist at the end of this as well. So a lot of picks to make, and we start in the women's bantamweight division. Jessica Rose Clark is your favorite at minus 145 versus Juliaha Stolarenko, Stolarenko plus 115. Oh, man. Um, man. By the way, you have a four-point lead, so plus four to Will going into this. I have a... Uh... <laughs> There's one thing that's making me really want to pick this fight. Um, so Jessica Rose Clark is uh, apparently going to walk out to Shawn Michaels theme music. And when I heard about that, I was like, wow, I definitely like this girl now. Uh, but um, she's kind of been hit or miss in her career. But I think um, this is a winnable fight for her. It just depends on if she can put it all together. Uh, like she she's she reminds me of um, like the Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Yeah. Uh, type of fighters like Khalil Roundtree like she's she'll have a good performance where you're like wow and then like she'll put on like a stinker in a way um, but I think she's very talented like I'm gonna pick her to win here but I mean I could she could lose this fight if she if this is one of her you know bad performances yeah. but coming off of a loss um, when she had some momentum going I'm sure that she's she wanted to get back into the uh, into the gym and improve so um I'm going to go with Jessica Rose Clark here. Stoliarenko, by the way, has uh, lost three in a row, and I believe uh, that is the entirety of her UFC career. So 0-3 in the UFC for Stoliarenko. Um, for that reason, in addition to this being an Australian heavy card, uh, let's go with um, Jessica Rose Clark here for the win in fight number one to kick us off on Saturday. All right, next fight takes us to the middleweight division. Uh, we have Brad Tavares and Drickus Duplessis. Minus 125 for Drickus, minus 105 for Brad Tavares. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, Will, I think this is probably the fight that I had the toughest time picking going into this of the entire fight card. Well, let me let me say that um, Brad Tavares is a dog. Like, he'll he's fought the who's who. He's fought them all. Um, I think this is a really good matchup uh, for uh for Brad, um, he's on a two-fight winning streak now. Um, he he fought uh, Izzy. Uh, he's he's the definition of a gatekeeper at this point, which is. But I feel like that's kind of disrespectful to how good the guy is. Yeah. Um, with that being said, though, uh, I think that uh, Drake is, is. I really like uh, what I saw from him. Um. I want to. I wanted one, to man. say that maybe. I, I wanted to say that maybe Brad Tavares' uh, experience is going to come through, but I really like where Drakus is heading. I like his style. He seems like he's very vicious. Um, this is going to be a, a contender for fight of the night, I believe, but I'm going to pick uh, Drakus Duplessis. Drakus Duplessis is the pick for Will Brewer. I'm going to go Brad Tavares, uh, and that's not just to go opposite you. I, I That was going to be the pick, although I would have entertained the idea of going opposite uh, if you had gone Brad Tavares here as well. But uh, slightly lean toward Brad Tavares. Duplessis is just so unusual, right? Like, that's my worry here is he's just uh, 
He's he's there's nobody really like him. Uh, and I think that uh, maybe that presents Tavares problems. But like you said, he's just he's so gritty and tough that uh, um, I'm going to lean on that as the difference. By the way, Duplessis had has had four straight canceled bouts between Andre Muniz, Chris Curtis, Fluffy Hernandez and Kelvin Gastelum since he last beat Trevin Giles and now taking on Brad Tavares. That is an incredible amount of bad luck, whether it's been on his side or the other side. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, uh, he he had a really big spot with Kelvin Gastelum. Like he had a lot of missed opportunities in that Gastelum fight was going to be a, a, I believe it was on a pay-per-view. So uh, yeah, he's had a lot of bad luck, but uh, I mean, I think he's a, he's a sleeper in this division. And uh, this is one of those fights that gets you, uh, that lets people know who you are. And Brad is tough though, man. Like I can't even, uh, express that enough like this is going to be a dog fight uh i hope he doesn't believe that this is going to be easy because uh brad is a dog yeah, man for sure all right next fight on this card we go to the lightweight division it is jim miller and cowboy cerrone booked on short notice after the cowboy lozon fight didn't take place jim miller needed an opponent after bobby green had to withdraw so it's jim miller legend versus cowboy cerrone legend this is a fun one jim miller by the way i was shocked by these odds Jim Miller minus two thirty, plus one eighty for Cowboy. Well, I think people are starting to to realize like what we're realizing. I mean, like maybe Cowboy has one foot out the door, and Jim Miller is as determined as ever not to be a champion or anything, but just to fight until like UFC three hundred. <laughs> yeah. Like Jim Miller is a guy who wants it. He's been beating young guys, uh, legends. Like he's uh, he's found like a, a second career almost. Like he had a he had a pretty damn good run at lightweight with Lyme disease. But since, you know, he's gotten that kind of taken care of, it's like he's just found a new lease on life. And like we were seeing a, a completely new uh, rejuvenated Jim Miller. Um, so, like, I think he would have gave Bobby Green a, a very tough fight. And with Cowboy, like, you just wonder if he's got that left in him. Um you just wonder if he's got that dog left in him. Yeah. Uh, his last few fights, I mean, we haven't seen it. Like Alex Morono and um, Anthony Pettis and especially Conor McGregor where probably this all started, Justin Gaethje. Like we haven't seen that same dog that, we were, that we've grown to know and love. Um, maybe it's possible that being in, in this stage, in this setting, being that it's UFC 276 International Fight Week, the the crowd is back, um, and then you you got the two guys with the most wins in UFC history. So the winner of this fight will ha- will be in sole position of that um, record. Maybe that's going to give Cerrone uh, added motivation. Uh, but you know this guy's coming off of two weight cuts. Uh, sure, he's not he's not having to cut uh, weight again, or at least not that big of a weight cut, but. There's just a lot of questions regarding Cowboy, and there's just more of a certainty regarding Jim Miller for me. So I'm going to go with uh, Jim Miller. It's going to be Jim Miller for me as well. I, I, I agree with everything you said, so I don't necessarily need to repeat it. Um, i just surprised that the odds were that lopsided, I guess. But uh, everything you said, I completely agree with, and that's why my pick is Jim Miller also. All right, middleweights. Uh, once again, we'll ranked middleweights here. Um, Uriah Hall and Andre Muniz. Andre Muniz is minus 275 favorite, plus 215 for Uriah Hall. Look, I'm really high on Andre Muniz. I've seen enough. I mean, this this is a guy who retired Jacare Souza. Like, this is a this is a guy 
who popped, um, who broke Jock Ray's arm. Like, Jock Ray never gets submitted like that. But Andre Muniz, I mean, he's got the size, he's got the length. Um, we don't really see what he's got as far as striking, but he normally just takes these guys down like he did with um, Eric Anders. I mean, I thought that that was going to be a, 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 te- a test for him, but he pretty much had his way with him. Um, Uriah Hall, I mean, I saw everything that I needed to see about Uriah Hall when he fought Sean Strickland. Like, I thought maybe we were going to be on to something with Uriah Hall, but I feel like once he, he tastes that adversity, it's easy to it's easy to to bring him down to, to that loss. So um, I expect this is going to be Andre Muniz. Maybe Uriah Hall surprises us with the big knockout. I think that's what he's going to have to do to win, but I'm really high on Muniz. I think he's the player in this division. I think Muniz is a problem. Yes, and problem. I think that it is Muniz by submission. He's uh, mm-hmm. submitted all three of his last wins, including back-to-back contender series fights in 2018 and 2019. He has six fights, again, including those two contender series fights, uh, with the UFC logo in the octagon. He's won all six. Two of them were unanimous decisions. The other four were round one submission wins. Um, I, you know, there's He's kind of the... Uh, the oddball, if you will, the boogeyman, I think, of, of this div- division potentially. Um, you know, there are definitely some grapplers, but there's not somebody like this uh, in the division. And uh, I think he continues the momentum. So Muniz over Uriah Hall for me also. All right, women's flyweights. We have one of my favorites, uh, Macy Barber versus Jessica I. Macy Barber is the favorite at minus 250. Jessica I plus 200. Um, I think that this is uh, Macy Barber for sure. Um uh, I think that the only way that she loses this is if she makes uh, mistakes um, and then Jessica I can use her experience. But I, I just don't believe that Jessica I is better anywhere uh, than uh, Macy. And I think that this is a is an opportunity for Macy to regain that steam that she once had before she tore ACL. So uh, big spot, you know, international fight week, big pay-per-view. Uh, this is Macy Barber for me. I've been a Macy Barber fan for a while. She had the back-to-back losses to uh, Roxanne and Grosso. And I actually scored, I think you agreed with me, I I think we both scored Miranda Maverick beating Macy Barber in that fight. Uh, And Macy Barber got the decision win. Yeah, I didn't agree with that one at all. I mean, I was happy for Macy Barber as one of my favorites, but I I didn't think she won that fight. Um, She could have been looking at three straight losses after some considering her to be a, a... uh, potential youngest champion in UFC history, right? That was kind of the projection for her. And then back-to-back losses in a fight in which a lot of people felt like she lost. I feel like we did see some of that spark in the last fight against Montana De La Rosa. So um, I'm banking on her to continue to uh, regain the traction she had before the setbacks. Macy Barber for me also. Which takes us to another big-time prospect in the UFC. In the welterweight division, it is Ian Gary versus Gabe Green. Ian Gary is the favorite, minus 165. Gabe Green, plus 135. Um, I think this is a, a, a real solid test uh, for Ian Gary, but I'm, I'm high on, on Ian Gary. I think that um, he's exciting. You know, of course, you know, he's... he's uh, He's got the potential to always end a fight with the knockout and everything, but I think he's uh, very mature for how young he is. And um, I think that showed in his last fight. You know, uh, you know, you want him to get these knockouts and you want him to be exciting and everything. But uh, for me, it was good to see that he was able to have the high IQ and uh, to be able to stay within himself 
and realize to not force things. And even though it's not going to be pleasing to the fans, what's important right now for his career is, is to make sure he gets the win. So um, that was big for me. Um, I think that he's got a lot of potential. So uh, I'm going Ian Gary. Ian Gary for me also, and I think just to kind of continue on your thoughts there, he's going to be a better fighter from that decision win than if he had knocked out, uh, who was it last time, Darian Weeks, I think? Yes, Um, Darian Weeks. If he had knocked him out in the first round, you know, it just continues to show what we already know about him. He's going to be a better fighter from having fought those 15 minutes uh, in that fight than if he had gotten another round one KO, and, and you're slowly stepping up the level of competition um, I, I think that this is a big step forward for him, and, and I think he delivers once again. So Ian Gary, who uh, is a big-time prospect in the UFC, I think uh, gets Gabe Green in the welterweight division. All right, feature prelim. Uh, this is going to be a potential fight of the night as well. We already talked about that with Dricus Duplessis and Brad Tavares. Here is, I think, your, your number two candidate for fight of the night. Brad Riddell and Jalen Turner in the lightweight division. Jalen Turner is the favorite at minus 130, plus 100 for Brad Riddell. Ooh, um, you know, this is really good matchmaking. Uh, this is, like you said, fight of the night candidate for sure. Um, Jalen Turner is just so large. Uh, I mean, he's, he's thin, but he's tall as, as hell. Um, and I think he's, uh, coming into his own as a fighter. I think he's starting to really understand, um, He's really starting to understand like where he could be great. Um, he hasn't fought anyone uh, to the level of uh, um, Brad Riddell at uh, lightweight, but I mean he's he's fought Vicente Luque before. You know he's he's had a, a lot of you know high level fights. I think that Jamie Malarkey win showed us a lot, uh, but you know Brad Riddell and I think we're gonna see like how much of a dog that Jalen Turner is. We know he's skilled. But I think Brad is going to bring that uh, that dog out of him. So uh, as far as my pick, this is uh, really tough for me. Um, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm gonna go with Jalen Turner, even though I know like this is a really tough matchup, and Brad Riddell could knock him out. But I like. Um, if uh, if Jalen can get this to the ground, and then I think he can hold his own on the feet and potentially make Brad Riddell um, frustrated. So I'm gonna go with uh, Jalen Turner here. All right, uh, two for two. I'm going Jalen Turner as well. I feel like the light bulb has really come on for this guy. I think this is the perfect test because you're taking a big step up in competition. But the thing that I think most people value about Brad Riddell is the guy's going to fight his ass off. He is a tough out. He's tough as hell. He can take a beating. And, uh, I mean, this will either solidify that you are an elite skilled guy in this division and you deserve big opportunities or that you have the toughness to navigate the waters at 155 with a win over Brad Riddell. Either way, um, I think the the buzzsaw that is Jalen Turner right now has too much momentum for me to go against him. So Jalen Turner is the pick for me also, which now takes us, Will, to the main card. I mean, this main card is off the charts. Fantastic. Um, by the way, replacing the um, Misha Tate. Uh, who is she fighting? Lauren Can't Murphy. Even rem- yeah, Misha Tate-Lauren Murphy fight is now 
uh, Robbie Lawler and Brian Barberina in the welterweight division. Um, Robbie Lawler was saying, what the hell, I'm not on the main card? Well, he's back on the main card. Robbie Lawler is your favorite at minus 130, plus 100 for Brian Barberina. Look, um, I'm, I know for a fact, not, not for a fact, this is a strong opinion, but I'm pretty sure that Robbie Lawler saw Brian Barberina's name on the contract and just let out a huge sigh of relief. Like, finally, they don't put me up against a fucking wrestler. So I'm finally going to get to fight a striker's fight. I mean, I know he fought Nick Diaz in his last one, but, like, after that, I'm sure he probably thought, I'm just going to have to fight another wrestler again. But, you know, now he's having to fight a Brian Barberina, and this is going to be a, a, a fight that Robbie Lawler loves. And I, he hasn't had a fight like this in so long. He's just having he's been having to fight tough matchup after tough matchup. Um, this one, I, I'm not really sure how if it goes to the ground, but I, I think people forget how much of a dog Robbie Lawler is, um, how much like how incredible he was when he was defending the title and uh, the those the championship title defenses, fight of the years, uh, two years in a row, I believe. Man. Um, I'm going Robbie Lawler here. I think that people are going to um, be surprised by what they see because I feel like we've got a lot of new fans who don't really know about how good Robbie Lawler is. But I think this is a fight where um, we get to see Robbie Lawler, um, vintage Robbie Lawler, I should say. So Robbie Lawler for me. Robbie Lawler is one of my all-time favorites. Um, I mean, just the guys put on so many incredible performances, tough as nails. Um, The, I mean, both Rory McDonald fights were incredible, right? I think like... I'm try- I think it was the second one. I, I need to go back and watch those because, you know, they all kind of blur together now at this point. We're so far removed. But I think it was the second one. I, like, at the time, I was like, that's the best fight I've ever seen in my life. Like, nothing. Like, that is it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the guy has uh, been through war after war after war. And then he gets the title, ultimately loses the title, and has had an incredible amount of horrible stylistic matchups uh, that horrible. have gone the other way. And, look, I think for as, as advantageous as this matchup is, uh, just in terms of like the style of fighter, Brian Barberina is also not like the the sharpest guy either, right? Like he will get wild and he will allow himself to get hit. I mean, this is tailor made for Robbie yeah. Lawler to either just outclass him or get into a classic like Robbie Lawler slugfest, right? And see which guy's tougher. Uh, either way, give me Robbie Lawler. Yeah, I mean Robbie Lawler's been there, done that. I mean. Um, he could win this fight just by decision or he could get a knockout, but I truly believe um, this is going to be a war and uh, for as long as it lasts. Yeah. And uh, I think Robbie Lawler is going to, is going to take him out, man. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to be so happy to see it because uh, he's had a really tough run uh, since he uh, tore his ACL, man. He's had such a tough run. So um, I'm going to be happy for him uh, if he gets this done. Death Taxes and Bantamweights will fight number two on the main card is Pedro Munoz and Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley has said he didn't want tough fights, like he's going to collect paychecks until he starts getting paid more. That's when he'll step up the level of competition. I mean, look, with a win here, you're never fighting easy fights again, right? You beat Pedro Munoz on Saturday night. It's only killers from this point on, and I would put Pedro in that category as well. This is an awesome matchup. Sean O'Malley, Pedro Munoz at 135. Sean O'Malley is your favorite, minus 265, plus 205 for Pedro Munoz. This is a dangerous fight for Sean O'Malley, but um, if I am Sean O'Malley, I take comfort in um, in two fights that Pedro's had uh, to uh, two losses that he's had. 
to Aljamain Sterling and to Dominic Cruz. Uh, two guys who use a lot of movement. Uh, and sure, he hit Dominic Cruz. Um, Dominic Cruz may be a step slower than, than he once was. But uh, after Dominic Cruz took that shot, Pedro didn't land anything big after that. Um, and with Aljo, Pedro had a really tough time uh, finding Aljo uh, as well. So, And with the way that Sean O'Malley moves and uses his length, I think that this is just going to be another case of that. I think Pedro is going to be, be very frustrated. Uh, I do think that he will the, – the lone win that he's had as of late, he's lost four of five, but the lone win that he had was against Jimmy Rivera, and he showed, like, dangerous leg kicks. Yeah. But since then, he hasn't really shown that too much. I think if he goes back to that, we could potentially uh, have, you know, a very interesting fight, and it might open up him being able to 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 land on Sean O'Malley because all it takes – is one big shot to land for Pedro because yep. he's got that type of power. But um, I just think that he's gonna find that it's just gonna be really tough for Pedro to um, to to get to Sean O'Malley because of the link. Um, I'm struggling to think to to decide if I think that Sean O'Malley is gonna finish him. But uh, Pedro's never I been finished, gonna, right? Yeah, uh, he's not. Well, wait. Yeah, no, he's never been finished. You're right. He's never been finished. So um, I'm struggling to think uh, to believe. That Sean O'Malley is going to finish him. I think he can, but um, I'm going to go Sean O'Malley, and I'm thinking that it's going to be a decision. Okay. Uh, for the record, I adamantly disagree with the decision that Frankie Edgar had over Pedro Munoz. That was a Pedro Munoz win, 100% to me. It was a good fight. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was a domination. It was a good fight, but I adamantly thought that that Pedro Munoz won that fight I thought they they uh stole that from him but that said I mean he's fought a bunch of killers he's piled up some L's you would imagine there's a lot of urgency for him to get a win and you know especially when you consider the superstar that Sean O'Malley already is in the sport um I would give Pedro Munoz the advantage on the ground I think if you're Pedro Munoz you also have to look at uh what Cheeto Vera did against Sean O'Malley like you refer to those those calf kicks that he had against Jimmy Rivera I mean, Sean O'Malley's only L was uh, the the Vera fight where Vera attacked the leg also. Uh, so I think that is a path for Pedro. Unfortunately, Pedro's, what, six inches shorter than Sean O'Malley. I think there's yeah. like a seven-inch reach advantage for Sean O'Malley. Yeah. And you referenced two fights uh, that, like, I didn't even consider because the fight that I kind of compare this to is the, not Aljo Munoz fight, but the Aldo Munoz fight where... Aldo completely dominated that fight with the jab. And Sean O'Malley has the ability to do the exact same thing, especially with the reach advantage. Like, Pedro could just never get his offense against Aldo because that jab just kept him at bay. I think Sean O'Malley's going to do the same thing, um, if not potentially beat him up a little bit more. So, unfortunately, you know, Pedro's a guy I love watching. Like, he puts on a show every time he's in the octagon, and I appreciate that about him. But uh, I think this is going to be a Sean O'Malley win also. Death taxes and bantamweights, though. It's going to be a good fight. Yeah, you know, I, I I didn't think about the Aldo fight just because Aldo doesn't really move much. He's just kind of like there in your face. But he did work behind that jab really well and kind of shut Pedro yeah. down. Um, but So, yeah, I mean, Sean O'Malley could definitely use that. Uh, I was thinking more of Sterling and and, uh, and Cruz just because of the movement. But, right. yeah, Aldo fought really well behind that jab. And Sean O'Malley, with the, added, add the link to that, man. I mean, yeah, Pedro's going to have a tough time. But... I mean, he's he, he's short, but he's a dog. So, yeah. I mean, he could land something crazy. And he's so. never been finished. He has power, and he's never and, been finished. So, yeah, I, I, I love this fight, though. I'm, I'm picking Sean O'Malley. Yeah. I, 
it would probably surprise me a little bit if Pedro won this fight, but it's not going to surprise me for Pedro to be in this fight and making it a dogfight like he typically does. Like, that's what I'm expecting. So, um, you know, and, and again, like, this is... Sean O'Malley doesn't have easy fights anymore. Like, this is a tough fight, and from here on out, it's nothing but but tough fights the rest of the way, right? There's no, like, uh, right. uh, Chris Matino. <laughs> like, there's no more of those. Like, it is nothing right. but guys that that uh, will take you out savagely. So, all right, I can't well, wait to hear your pick on this next one. Well, one, one last thing on yeah. this fight. Don't sleep on Pedro's grappling, because I Agreed. feel like that might be a factor Agreed. in this. And if he can get this to the ground, he's got nasty jujitsu. So uh, that, that's a factor in this fight as well. He, he became such a, I mean, he's been in so many classic fights because he's in all these bangers that you forget right. that he has that ability. And I think there's a massive, if, if he can get it there, I, I, you know, that's also, I mean, Sean O'Malley yeah, is so is. tall uh, yeah. that the takedown might be tough. But if he can get it there, I do think he does have a massive advantage in that department. All right, middleweights. I have no idea what you're going to do uh, here, so I'm kind of excited to hear both your pick and analysis of this fight. Uh, in the middleweight division, we have Sean Strickland and Alex Pajeda. This is a fun one, and look, this is probably a number one contender fight, potentially, for uh, the main event of this <clears throat> card. Pajeda is the favorite, which surprised me a little bit, but it's not by much. Minus 130 for Alex Pajeda, plus 100 for Sean Strickland, so also a very close fight from an odd standpoint? So, um, man, you know, when this fight was announced, I think you were the one who said, like, I would love to see Sean Strickland and Alex Pajeda. Like, why not? I think you said that, like, before this fight was yeah. ever even thought about. Yeah. Um, you know, is this too big of a jump for Alex Pajeda is the question. Because I know what the UFC is trying to do. They're trying to put him against the highest ranked guy and then have him win and then have him fight Izzy. This fight is a number one contender fight, 1,000%. Um, my question is, uh, how, mu how much has Alex improved from his last fight? Because that's a, that's a big factor in this fight. And I wonder how Sean Strickland is going to approach this fight because of how dangerous that Alex Pajeda is. And we've seen Sean Strickland as of late. Like, he's, uh, like, he outclasses people on the feet. But I don't think that's a game that you want to play with Alex Pajeda. Um, I kind of feel like you want to take him down and uh, try to hold him down. Uh, I think that's your best path to victory. But if you're going to play the striking game with Pajeda, with there being, with Pajeda having a size advantage, and... I just, I'm not. I just don't like this matchup for Sean Strickland because I don't know how much he's going to grapple, and I feel like Alex Pajeda can knock him out. With that said, oof. You know, I, I've been really high on Alex Pajeda, so I'm gonna go ahead and pick him. But I wouldn't be surprised to see crazy Sean Strickland pull something out the hat and, and win this. But this, I think the odds are very correct in terms of this being a really close yeah. fight. I, prob I probably would have had Strickland as the favorite, but uh, this is a really close fight. But I'm going with Alex Mejeda. Uh All right. So Sean Strickland obviously is uh, the more well-rounded guy, right? I mean, like there's no debating that. It's whether or not he chooses to use that 
in this fight or not, which... That's a big question. Right, because he's been <laughs> so good on the feet. His boxing is as good as anybody in this division. And there are even numbers, Will, to back up that defensively on the feet, he's like the best fighter in this division. Like he and Izzy, I think, are the best two defensive stand-up guys in this division. Like, so Sean Strickland doesn't get hit while also hitting the other guy a lot. Um, this is a different attack coming at him, though. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's uh, I'm very intrigued. Like if, if Sean Strickland just makes it a point to try and get takedowns, uh, that's also dangerous because it's not like he's like great in that department. Right. He, I think he's good. He's been doing this for a long time. But like, there's a there's a risk of getting away from your strength just to go after the other guy's weakness that potentially uh, you can get caught in that way as well. Um, I just Alex Pajeda just looks like a buzzsaw, man, like. There's just something about him that I feel like is different. And maybe it's the the voice inside my head that says, more than anything in this division, I want to see Alex Pajeda and Israel Adesanya for the middleweight championship that, uh, that makes me lean this way. Um, but Sean Strickland, I think in his, like, Sean Strickland's strength is going to be to stand there and box and occasionally throw a kick, right? Yeah. He can do other things, but I think like that is his strength. Against Alex Pajeda's strength, that's I feel like that's just a bad matchup. Yeah, that's that's why I said this is just a bad matchup. And I also feel like there's so much more power coming back the other way from Pajeda than Strickland is dealing out as well. I think Strickland's tough, but um give me Pajeda in this. Um but I, I this is, I think, as intriguing as any fight on the card. Right. Look. I'm with you. Um, Sean Strickland does a really good job not getting hit, just piecing guys up. And he's done it against some of the best guys. Brendan Allen, Uriah Hall, who's a who's a striker, you know, Jack Hermanson. Um, but he hasn't fought anyone as skilled in terms of kickboxing as Alex Pajeda. He hasn't fought anyone as um, physically imposing. Like, the guy is all of 6'4", 6'5". Long legs, long arms, like that's that's a real problem. I, I don't feel like he's fought anyone uh, that offers that type of uh, those types of problems for him. And uh, I really I really do feel like he's going to have to wrestle. And um, if you're on the Sean, Sean Strickland side of things, you can say that Alex Mahana hasn't been doing this too long. Sean Strickland is literally 25 and three. Uh, he's had 28 professional fights. So. There's got to be at least some sort of uh, of a grappling advantage there for him, and he's going to have to use that because I truly feel that what Sean Strickland does best, he's not he can't do against Alex Pajeda. Yeah. And if and if I'm wrong about that, then this guy can beat Israel Adesanya. <laughs> like I wouldn't put it past him. If we see a a very good performance from him uh, on Saturday, I wouldn't put it past him that he can beat Izzy. So. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Uh, Alex Mahead is the pick, yeah. but Sean Strickland might just be crazy enough <laughs> to I mean, pull I Bisbing every time calls off. him a complete psychopath. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. That's... And, and we're saying that this is a, a, a nightmare matchup, but Sean Strickland loves this shit. Like, oh, he's probably yeah. just, he's probably thro uh, throbbing at the mouth at the thought of being in so much danger. Like, I imagine him just, <laughs> like, sitting in a room by himself thinking about this matchup and laughing out loud. <laughs> right. Right? Yes. Like, one thousand percent. Just, just, la just laughing at the thought. And you're like, Sean, what's so funny? 
I might get knocked out. And he's just cracking up. Yeah. Like, bro, like, wh- that doesn't scare you? Like, wh- what? But, I mean, he, he has been knocked out before. And I was just looking to see if he had been knocked out. He got knocked out by a spinning wheel kick by um, Zaliki Dosant. Uh, I don't know how to say his first name. But uh, Z- Z- Zaliski Dosantos um, back in Brazil. That was, yeah. that was years ago. But he has been knocked out before. So... We'll, we'll see, man. He's won. He's literally won six in a row, though. So, oh, he's a I savage. mean, he's he's got all the momentum yeah. uh, on his side. But Pajeda is a different type of guy, man. So, like you said, this is the most intriguing fight uh, on the card for me. By the way, this is kind of what sealed it for me when I was going back and forth earlier today on which guy I was going to pick. Sean Strickland's strength is boxing. Alex Pajeda has a nine-inch reach advantage. <laughs> like. And what's crazy? What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Strickland kind of likes to play the distance game as well. Yeah, he's great at that. Yeah, he's gonna have to come forward. (laughs) He's gonna have to be the one probably to initiate the action because Pajeda can get to him from miles away. Yeah. So that's just another layer to this. But but he might. He's crazy enough to actually go try that out. So we'll see, man. All right, Will, the co-main event is for the featherweight championship of the world. It is a trilogy fight between the champion Alexander Volkanovsky and the former champion and number one contender Max Holloway. Volk is the favorite, minus 195, plus 160 for Max Holloway. Well, we're here again, and I don't know about you, but um, I went back and I watched the first two fights. I have the same thoughts about them now as I did uh, when I first watched them live, when I watched it back uh, a couple years ago. Alex Volkanovsky 1,000% won the first fight. Agreed. Um, I know Max thinks that he won, that it was close. It was close. I think it was Volkanovsky 3-2. You can make a case for 4-1. But those leg kicks were the story of the fight. And I just don't believe that Max thought that those leg kicks were, like, significant yeah i mean maybe he didn't feel anything but those were some devastating leg kicks and that probably would have done some real damage to a lesser man but volkanovsky won that first fight second fight maxed out to a great start won the first two rounds and it's kind of the same thing with this saruki and a gamrot where like max won the first half two and a half rounds and then volk took over with the last two and a half rounds in my book um I wasn't I wasn't surprised at the at the decision because Volk really finished that fight well. He finished that fight like a champion should, knowing that he was down and really making adjustments throughout the fight. So I'm not surprised that Volk won. Of course, you got guys who say Max won, which is why we're here. Also, because Max had an incredible performance against Calvin Cater, followed that up with a fight of the year contender with Yair Rodriguez. So Max deserves to be here. I I think that skill for skill. This is a very close fight. Um, Volk is getting better. Max is getting better. I think Volk is showing a little bit more improvement uh, than Max. Um, and I think that in terms of IQ, I think Volk has him by by a little bit. I think Volk has him in terms of IQ. And then um, I questioned going all, all the way up to this fight or all the way up to this week until I've heard some of Max's interviews I questioned if he still wanted to be champion. I, I still don't know for sure if he wants to be champion, but I do know that Max wants to be the best. And 
whether or not he wants to be champion, that's one thing. But I know that he talks about pound for pound, you know, these two being the pound for pound uh, best guys right now. And we don't see this often. So I do feel like there's a layer that Max really wants to win this fight. At first, I wasn't sure if he did or not. But um, in terms of my pick, I think this is both guys have been talking about a finish, which is which is very interesting to me. Uh, Max has said like he doesn't see that he doesn't see this fight going past three rounds and then Volk since um, since the Yair fight he's been talking about finishing Max so I think both I think this is going to be exciting both guys have been talking about finishing I think that this is another fight of the night contender I just think that Volk has improved just a little bit more than Max Uh, my picks gonna go with Volk I'm picking with my mind my heart really wants Max to win like I really really would love to see Max Holloway win this fight uh, but I'm going to pick Alex. I'm going with my mind here. Uh, yeah, I think Mac, or I think Alex is going to edge out another decision. So the first fight I thought was a very close fight, but I thought like, I didn't have any problems picking winners of every round. Like they were close rounds, but I, I, w- I easily picked the winner of each round in that fight. Like I never had a round in that fight where I was like, Oh man, that could go either way. Which way am I going to lean? Like, I, after the rounds, I was like, that was a good round, but, like, this guy won that round. And I had it 3-2 Volk. Like, I didn't think that, uh, like, I thought he won, like he did. And uh, I know, you know, Max just is such a fan favorite that there was some, like, Max got jobbed here. The second fight is the one that I think is really interesting because I scored it for Max, but, I mean, completely opposite of the first fight, like... There, you know, you could razor thin margin, right? Like, I mean, you could you could easily lean one way or the other, and depending on your preference, once again, uh, you could probably give Volk a round or Max a round. So, uh, I had Max winning the second one, but I thought like that that's a coin flip fight at the end of twenty five minutes. Like either guy could have like I went into that like either guy could win here. I, I it's not crazy to think that either one of these guys won that fight on a scorecard. Um, I do think that Volk is the IQ guy, like you said. Uh, in terms of this thing. I wonder, like, Max in that Yair fight just it seemed like he he just wanted to brawl, right? Like, there was no... Like, I I, I don't know what it was. It, it almost just felt like Max just decided, I'm, I'm going to go do a fight of the night. Like, you know, I, I'm not going to just beat this guy. I'm just going to go get involved in a fight of the night type of fight. And that's what happened. I don't think he's going to do that. For, he Like, this is the last opportunity at Volk. Right, like he's not getting another chance if he loses this fight on Saturday night, and he's going to be down 0-3 to this guy, and nobody is ever going to talk about Max Holloway as the greatest featherweight ever if he loses this. So I don't think you get a very careless, reckless Max Holloway. I also don't. Uh, I think both these guys are completely full of shit when they're talking about finishes. Like <laughs> Volk is the, I think the the IQ fighter here, and I think you're going to get a. a much more dialed in Max Holloway. I think this is a decision win. Um, I think that Max is going to um, try to outpace him, and I'm going to say that Max's pace uh, ultimately gets him a decision this time around and give me Max Holloway. Man, I hope you're right. I truly hope you're right. I really want to see Max win. Uh, Like, Max was a guy who really put this, well, let me not be disrespectful to Aldo and uh and Conor, and Conor McGregor, but like with with those with Conor moving up and then with Aldo kind of like you know not being as dominant, Max Holloway kept this division afloat and then like created a, a legacy, a path for himself. 
uh, became a huge fan favorite. You know, everybody loves Max. It's hard yeah. not to love Max. And then that, I think that we kind of disrespected Volk because we love Max so much. Like, we wasn't giving him the credit that he deserved until we start seeing him fight people other than Max. We see him fight Brian Ortega, yeah. and we see how tough he is. We see him fight Korean Zombie, and we see how how skilled he is. Like, uh, it's hard not to appreciate what Volk brings to the table because this is a guy who truly wants to be a champion. He wants to be known as the best. He's doing it the right way. He's taking out everybody. Uh, he wants to fight the next contenders. I mean, he's not willingly go- going to try to fight these lightweights. There's just no other featherweight who's the number one contender at the moment. So, like, Volk is doing everything the right way. It's hard not to respect him. Um, so I, I think we're going to get a great fight. Yeah. I hope that I hope that Max wins, but I just think that Volk is going to edge out a decision. But it might go the other way. I'll be very, very happy to lose yeah. uh, points <laughs> to you on, uh, if, if Max wins. But I, I do expect that this is a, a fight of the night con- uh, contender. I was like 99% sure you were going to pick Volk here. Uh, and I would have probably been shocked if you had come out with Max Holloway. So, uh, and I like Max I in this really fight. But uh, yeah, like I was like, I think we're going to be opposite on this one. I, like realistically, without having to just go on the opposite side. I do think, to your point, Volk is kind of the Kamaru Usman here where like, because he hasn't had a bunch of like wow fights or wow finishes, he's just, you know, better than everybody, well-rounded game. Like, isn't knocking people out, isn't submitting people every time, you know, he piled up a bunch of decision wins and I, that gets slept on in this sport. Like, unfortunately it does. And when you don't have the highlight finishes or the, you know, the, um, spectacular, whether it's ground game or stand up, you know, if there's not one thing that's spectacular about you, sometimes just the well-rounded guys, uh, get slept on because people don't really know how good they are because uh, you don't see it like, you know, the dominating power knocking people out or you don't see the finishes or whatever it is. Um, but I think it's it's slowly starting to to show and he's he's slowly getting his respect. But I do I do think he's a lot like Usman in that way where uh, it's taken longer than it should have for him to get uh, the proper amount of respect. All right. Our main event will in the middleweight division is Israel Adesanya. And Jared Cannonier, Izzy, is the favorite, minus 400, plus 300 for the former heavyweight, Jared Cannonier. Now, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this from the jump. I think that this is going to be Israel's toughest title defense to date because of the fact that Jared Cannonier is a former heavyweight. He packs a lot of power. Um, and he's not a guy who is going to play at Israel's game and he's not going to try to force Israel to do anything like Joel Romero and Paulo Costa. They tried to force Izzy to, to, uh, to attack them by just being inactive. I don't feel like Jared Cannonier is going to do that. Um, I feel like he's going to be strategic and smart with how he attacks, but I do think that Jared Cannonier is going to be attacking Israel and that might work to Israel's, um, that might work to his game plan because Izzy's a counter striker. We all know that. Um, but I think stylistically, this is a, this is, I think that this is the fight that we should have saw with Izzy and Joel Romero. This is the fight we should have saw with Izzy and Paulo Costa. Um, but they gave Izzy too much respect while Jared Cannonier is going to do whatever it takes to try to win this title. Um, I mean, of course, with that being said, my pick's going to go with Izzy. I just think that he's, um, 
I think he's, his IQ is just so much better. And I think that once he gets started, once he figures Cannoneer out, once he figures out where he's trying to attack and what, um, uh, where he's coming from and all that, you know, I think that Izzy's going to uh, be able to pull away uh, in the third round or so. But I think those first two rounds are going to be very exciting, very intriguing. But I think once Izzy figures him out, if Jared doesn't knock him out, knock him down or anything, uh, I do think it's going to be a very exciting first two rounds. But after that, that's when Izzy will pull away. So uh, I'm going to go Izzy. I'm going to go Izzy by a decision, but I'm not going to rule out a late finish. I think it's going to be the complete opposite of that. I think it's going to be very boring rounds to start, and I think that heavily plays in favor of Izzy Adesanya because I think like one of the things that makes Adesanya so dangerous is you're not going to get him off of his game plan. He's going to stick to it. He's not going to change things up in the middle of the fight. People can boo all they want. There could be zero action, and he's totally okay with that, right? Because he's going to win that type of fight because he's going to outpoint you. Um, like That's why he's such a problem because you're not just going to get him to do something he doesn't want to do. I think he, you know, like I think about the Blahovich fight and Israel's going to be so much faster than Jared Cannonier in this fight. Like, I think it's going to be a similar type of fight, but I don't think Cannonier is going to really go forward a ton. And I think like the last two fights, like Izzy just kind of will sit back and, you know, when Robert Whitaker wanted to go forward, Israel would counter. When Marvin Vittori wanted to go forward, Israel would counter. And uh, I don't think he's he doesn't need to be the guy that's forcing the action or be the guy that's completely dominating every second of the action. He will stand there for two minutes if you're not going to do anything and and wait and maybe kick you a couple times and, you know, whatever. I, I don't I don't I, I have a hard time just seeing this being a super incredible fight, uh, because if it's an incredible fight, I think that means Cannoneer is landing. And if Cannoneer is landing, that means he's probably winning the fight. Right. Like. Israel Adesanya, I don't think, is going to eat a bunch of cannoneer punches. So uh, this is Israel Adesanya by decision, unless cannoneer decides to go forward, and then I think, uh, you know, it's probably Izzy finish. But I think it's going to be a boring fight. Like, not that I'm not going to enjoy it, but I think in terms of, like, what most people call an exciting fight or a boring fight, I think most people will think this is a boring fight. I, I, man, every time I think about this fight, um, I just see uh, I see Cannoneer surprising a lot of people. I, I think he's going to get off to a good start. Um, I hope so. I would love to see a wild because if, if like you said at, uh, at the beginning, like if if there's no action, Izzy's going to be winning because he's going to be chopping your legs from miles away. Like that's what he did to Romero. Romero tried to bait him in. He tried to dance and do all that shit, but he'll do just enough what, to get his points. He'll do just enough to get but, his points, and that's yeah, it. Like the crowd booed, and they called it crazy, or they called it the most boring fight, ever, championship fight ever. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, Izzy got his hand raised. Paulo Costa tried to laugh at him and do all this stuff. Izzy just destroyed his leg. Like it was just nasty kicks. So like, that's why it, I think it's just better to just try to attack him. Yeah, I agree. Like. Uh, and I, and I think Cannoneer is uh, he's strong enough. Uh, he's I'm not I'm not gonna say he's he's overly skilled, but I think he's skilled enough. I think I would go out on a limb and say he's more skilled than uh, than uh, Paulo Costa, and uh, that he's more skilled than um, I think it's, it's it's more of a top. I don't know. Romero back in the day was a li- was was a little bit more skilled than yeah. he was towards the end, but I do feel like Cannoneer is is skilled on the feet. 
but I think the 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 distance is what's going to catch Cannoneer off guard. So I don't know, man. I, I just think that Cannoneer is going to get off to a good start, but uh, yeah, it's always tough to get inside that reach. Uh, what did you think about the Whitaker Cannoneer fight? Well, okay, I thought that. I thought that that was a fight that Jared could win, but I think he broke his forearm or something pretty early, I think in like the second round. Yeah. Uh, and then Rob just kind of took over from there. But I see, I, I don't put too much stock into that just because of that injury. Right. But I mean, you could say like since Ridiker just kind of had his way that Izzy could do the same thing. But I, I think that a lot of that had to do with that injury. That's I mean, that's fair. Um, I just look at this as Cannoneer has to just be the power puncher and land the big shot in this fight. And like, that's all there is to it. Like I just, he's not going to win any other way. Uh, I hope that this thing starts and Cannoneer gets in his face immediately and tries to make that happen because the last thing he wants to do is sit in the locker room after 25 minutes and then be pissed off at himself for not forcing the action and then losing a 50 to 45 decision because he never, you know, put the thing in go. Uh, But what do you, what do you have to lose? Right. But for some reason, you get in there with Israel Adesanya, and maybe that's your goal, and his speed and length, you know, out of the gate just surprise you, and then you're like, well, shit, now I'm going to have to wait and pick my shot. I don't want to, you know, and I think his, I think Israel's power surprises people, too. I think sometimes, like, Paulo Costa just thought, like, I'll just go forward, and, you know, he has nothing for me, and then you feel his power, and you're like, okay, well, that, I can't just be reckless, like, I'm going to have to pick my shot, and then, you know, he picks you apart, and... Um, I, I think Cannoneer, I mean, I, I, I don't know if Izzy could just flat out knock him out, uh, but I think you have to risk that. I, I, just, don't, I, just, don't, I just don't think he's going to do that. I think he's going to take his time and pick his shots, and uh, you know, because of that, it's going to be like the same fight we've seen multiple times. Yeah, look, um, we, and, I, and he hasn't been knocked out at middleweight, but like when he was at 205, uh, like one fight that sticks out is uh, Dominic Reyes. He tried to get in Dominic Reyes's face, and Dominic Reyes countered him and uh, ended up finishing him. So, with when you think of it like that, you would think like, oh wow, like this is a really good matchup for Izzy, and it's probably gonna go like that. But I I feel like um, Dominic is bigger than Izzy, obviously, and then I feel like Dominic's power is on another level. But and yeah. Dominic's power that that left. I mean, no no one's really answered that left outside of uh, John Jones and uh, Yuri Prohaska. Yeah. But uh, I just think that Jared, um, at this point, um, I think he's going to see Izzy and 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 probably feel like he can overpower him. And I think he's not going. If he gets inside, he's not going to just swing wild like Paolo did. Uh, I think he's going to be very strategic when he goes inside. So yeah. uh, with Paolo and with Romero, I mean, I, I really don't feel like they really knew what to do. I feel like Jared's going to have a, a game, a legit game plan uh, trying to get inside to fight Izzy. So also, it'll be, Izzy a, it'll has be wanted very Cannoneer for a long time too, which to me is like, yeah. he knows how he's going to control this fight. Like he's been wanting this dude for a long time. Yeah. Um, and like, like I said, it's, it's very similar to the Romero and to the Paulo Costa fight because those yeah. guys are power punchers that he can counter. And but the problem is, uh, Romero didn't come forward, and uh, Paulo just it just took a while for Paulo to come forward. But once he did, Izzy knocked him out. And he was so beat up and at I, that point, right? 
Yeah, and he was so beat up. That leg was was Mangy. damaged goods. Yeah, that leg was terrible. It, it was all purple and shit. But um, but then Jared, um, I, I think he's strategic enough. More, I think he'll be more strategic than what those guys were. Yeah. But still, he still could go in there and get knocked out. So, yeah, it would be a fun fight. All right, man. So we've got an added bonus for UFC 276. We're gonna have a short little draft uh, where. It's, there's going to have a point structure, but at the end of this, the winner of this draft is going to get five additional points to the score sheet. So the way this is going to work is we're going to draft three fighters. You get two points, right? Is that what we're doing? Two points if your fighter wins by finish. One point if your fighter wins by decision. You lose a point if your fighter loses by decision. And you lose two points if your fighter loses by finish. And at the end of this, whoever has the, the most points will win the five points that's at stake for this little game, right? Yep, that's it. All right, so I will—I'll uh, give you the honor since uh, you're ahead in the standings. I think it's only right. Man, all right. Um, with the first pick in the 2000, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, my first pick—I'm gonna go. Um, You know, give me Andre Muniz first. Ah! You <laughs> son of a... <laughs> that was my pick, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that was easily the number one pick on my board, like by a mile. I was going to go easy, but, I, but then I was like, you know, yeah. he may not... He may, that decision... Yeah, give me uh, Andre Muniz. All right. Um, are we snaking this, or are we just going to go back and forth? Um, we can snake it, I guess. That's okay. Cool. All right. Um, so I, my back-to-backs, I will go... Whew. Let's go Sean O'Malley. And let's go Ian Gary. Okay. Okay. To finish this off, give me <laughs> Can't believe you took me knees. <laughs> uh, to finish this off, give me Israel. Adesanya and um, give me Robbie Lawler alright that was uh, probably going to be my next one uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll the dice even though I think this might be one of the, the most intriguing and what if type of fights on the card I'll, uh, I'll roll with Alex Pajeda I, I questioned if I'm going if I was going to go him or Robbie. I had a little bit more confidence in Robbie, yeah, but I, I almost picked Pajeda. Yeah. So yeah, good draft, man. All right. Uh, so you got Muniz, Lawler, and Izzy. Um, I, I I do think you're getting two finishes there. Uh, I've got <laughs> O'Malley, Ian Gary, and uh, Alex Pajeda. I've got the prospects. Yeah, and uh, I've got the legend. I got the champion, and I got the, another prospect. So I got I mixed it up. All right, man. So five points up for grabs in that as well. So a lot of points on the line. You have a four-point lead, and uh, this could all be a very – look. no, 
this will be a wild <laughs> Saturday night. This fight card is so good. There's no way it's not incredible. Yeah, I'm going to be tuned in from the very first fight, from hearing Jessica oh, yeah. Rose Clark coming out to Shawn Michaels all the way till uh, Israel comes out. He probably He's probably going to have a flashy entrance with it being International Fight Week. But, um, yeah, I'm going to be locked in, man. This is going to be an incredible card. Uh, we're going to have so much to talk about in the next pod. Uh, what a what a great card. I mean, we suffered through UFC 270. <laughs> just just for you know them to just be like, okay, we're going to bless you on yeah. UFC 276. So this is great, man. I can't wait. By the way, prelims here greater than UFC 270. Yes, so 1,000%. We got, we got, look, now the <laughs> podcast is done. That's that's finally that's it that's it so all right buddy uh, we will talk again next week UFC 276 on Saturday could be fight card of the year so everybody enjoy. Podcast is over.